making our way through the season of Lent on the way to Easter. Um, and I feel like everyone knows Jonah's story. Um, it's probably one of the most recognizable stories in the Bible. Even people, I feel like even people who haven't read the Bible, who have not read scriptures, are at least familiar with the story of Jonah and the well. And maybe it's just because of its extreme nature. Um, you have this guy who's running from the Lord, who, um, you know, in, gets on a ship to run from the Lord because he doesn't want to do what God has asked him to do. He doesn't want to go where God has asked him to go. So he gets on a ship. He's fleeing from the Lord and fleeing from the Lord's direction. And a storm comes because of his disobedience. A storm arrives, and it is just ravaging the ship. And he realizes, this is my fault, so I need to go overboard. I can't put these guys through it. So he throws himself overboard or has the crew throw him overboard and is sinking to the bottom. And a huge fish um, swallows him whole. And he spends three days and three nights in the belly of this fish. And if that wasn't enough, he lives through that and is spit back on the shore three days later, fully alive. Now, that's a pretty extreme story. Uh, And I think maybe that's why Jonah, his story has become like folklore status, like almost like a fairy tale or a a parable of sorts or just a folk story. And there are a lot of people who regard his story not necessarily as a historical account, not as factual, but more like a a parable or a story or a child's story. Even me when I, I, now I believe it as actual history, but Oftentimes when I read it, for some reason, uh, as I'm doing the plays through my mind, as I'm reading the scripture, um, it, it, it's, it's coming to me in the form of a cartoon. Uh, it's kind of crazy, but I see, like I'm reading the story, I see a big blue well, and I see a little Jonah sinking. And I don't know if that's from like, maybe I, when I was a kid, I saw some Jonah cartoon or VeggieTales or something like that. But even for me, like I believe it's fact, but that's how I see the story of Jonah, all in cartoon. And so a lot of people view it that way, just as a parable, just as a good story to teach us about being obedient and not running from the Lord or, or whatever. But it is important for us to believe this story as actual historical account, a real thing that happened. We see a couple of times in scriptures where Jonah is referred to, and it, so his story isn't just contained in the book of Jonah. In 2 Kings, he's referred to as an actual person as a man, he, he was referred to as Jonah, the son of Amante. He is a prophet who takes the message of the Lord to a foreign land. So there's another account that this guy was actually real. And more importantly, we see in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus referred to Jonah um, as an actual historical account, something that really happened. And he refers to it as the sign of Jonah. He tells Jonah's story. And we're going to get further into that in a little bit. Um, but we believe that, that he was... It was real, that, that he was a real man, and his story is real. But let's pick up where we left off last week. Last week, we had, um, as Matt was teaching us, we left off right in chapter 1, where Jonah has just been thrown overboard and is sinking um, in Jonah chapter 1. So we will pick up at verse 17. He has just sunk down, and we're going to read through chapter 2. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. 
From the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you brought my life up from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that, comes, that could be theirs. But I, with a, strong, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. Um, that's a crazy story, and we see that um, we see we see some pretty radical things happen there for him. You know, sinking down, and getting swallowed by a fish. But before we dive into chapter two and his prayer, I want us to really pick right up where we left off last week in the storm. That. Jonah is caught up in this massive storm, and it is ravaging this ship, tossing it around. And the captain, the sailors, they are panicking. They have begun to throw their supplies, their luggage. They begin to throw these things overboard, trying to figure out a way to make the boat lighter. It's just a storm. Things look very bleak and not promising to make it. Jonah realizes there in the belly of that ship that, okay, this storm... Is my fault. I'm running from God, and this storm is brought, has been brought on by my disobedience, by my sin. So he goes and says, throw me over. And the reality is, that's a part of our life. Storms that we will encounter, these things, these craziness, tragedies, and storms, we will encounter them, and they are brought on by sin. I don't mean necessarily always. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is, and we'll look further into this. Sometimes it is a personal sin, something that we have done. But sometimes we will encounter storms in life that are not necessarily due to our sin, but they are just part of the depravity and brokenness of this world. One thing to know is this. Storms are never, they are never God uh, tormenting us, or they're never God throwing out his wrath on us. They are a direct product of, of sin in the world, whether it be ours or just the brokenness of this world. Tragedy and things that we will encounter in this world are a direct product of sin. And that is humanity. That is the world in which we live. It has been that way ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, they brought sin into the world, and they brought sin that would curse every generation after them. It's something that we're born into. We're born into depravity. We're born into the curse of sin. And because we are a broken people living in a broken world, we will encounter tragedy. We will encounter storms. It is inevitable. There is nothing, there's nothing that we can do about it. And if you haven't faced it yet, then brace yourself. It will come. Tragedy, storms will come to our lives. There are they are unavoidable. 
And they are not the wrath of God. They are a product of sin and brokenness in this world. Sin produces death. We see that in the book of Romans. It is the nature of sin. It is destructive. But unfortunately, it is a part of humanity. So we will struggle with it. We will face storms. We will face all different things. And for some of us, this may look different. For some of us, it may look like sickness. Some of us, it may look like a cancer or some other form of illness. For some of us, it may look like the loss of someone that we love dearly. For some of us, it may look even more something like the loss of a job that really just brings a crazy storm into our life and among our family. It may be the loss of a relationship that brings a storm into our life. But get this, they are a part of humanity. They are not the wrath of God, but they are a product of sin in the world. So I'll say it again, storms are a product of sin. But that doesn't mean that the storm and the tragedy that you find yourself in is a direct product of your own sin. Sometimes we find ourselves in the shoes of the sailors in Jonah's story. Sometimes we find ourselves in their shoes. These men who, they they didn't sin. They didn't necessarily do anything wrong. But they find themselves in someone else's storm. Sometimes that's us. Sometimes we find ourselves in a storm that's caused by something else in the world. The brokenness of the world or maybe someone who we're in a relationship or maybe someone in our family who has committed a sin or maybe someone we don't even know. We just happen to be passing them on the street and their sin has now immediately brought a storm into our life. We see this, right? We see brokenness in the world. It's unavoidable. It's a product of sin. And when storms hit us, there's nothing that we can do about them. We do have to remember that, though. Storms can be a product of someone else's. Maybe, also, though, we find ourselves in Jonah's shoes. And maybe we realize that the storms or the strife that we're encountering in this life are actually a product of our own personal sin. Maybe at that moment we're like, you know what? These hard times that I'm going through, this craziness that I'm going through, I brought this on myself. This wasn't something that someone else did to me. And then maybe we're able to step back and look at the big picture and see that our sin has now produced a storm that is affecting other people, that's entangling other people and hurting other people. But what do we do in that situation? We do exactly what Jonah did. He owned up to it. He realized, I did this. And he repented. He turned, and we see that in his prayer there. He turned back to the Lord. He said, and I will turn back to you and to your holy throne. I will fix my eyes back on you. We repent, and we turn back to God, and then we try our best to restore those relationships in which we have hurt. Um, and moving forward, we're going to encounter those things, and they're, they're going to be unavoidable, and you know, there's times where there's, there's nothing that we can do, but like I said, there's, these are a part of the depravity of the world in which we live. Um, but if we look in chapter 2, I want us to even furthermore look at, what, at Jonah's response so that we can get a better idea of when we find ourselves in tragedy, when we find ourselves in a storm, in a chaos, and in pain in this life, how we can react. Um, well, we see him in chapter 2. We see that 
Jonah never, in that prayer, Jonah never throws his fist to God and says, how could you do this? He never questions God. He never says, how could you send the storm? How could you do all these things to me? How could you even ask me to go there? This is all your fault. You are a bad. He never does that. He never throws his fist to God. He submits to him and realizes this is my own wrongdoing. I believe this about God. I believe that he doesn't rain down wrath on us. Sometimes he allows depravity and brokenness to entangle us. But just like Jonah, and when we see Jonah's full story, when we zoom out and see the big picture of his life, there's always a bigger plan that God is working through our lives. So sometimes we're in the midst of a storm and things seem like chaos. Sometimes we're in the midst of tragedy and hurt in this life. And it seems chaotic. But we can rest assured that God is doing something in our lives. Just as Jonah, even through his running and his downfalls, the Lord never left him. He constantly pursued him. And he constantly was involved in his life doing something, a bigger picture, a bigger plan. In chapter 2, we see his prayer. We see in the beginning of his prayer, and this always intrigued me, because by the time Jonah is praying this prayer in chapter 2, it says there in verse 1 of chapter 2, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. In my distress, I called to the Lord. And we see the beginning of Jonah's prayer is past tense. I called to the Lord. As I sank, he uses these words that are all in past tense, as I sank to the depths. I called to the Lord. I cried out. And everything is referred to in past tense. And then all of a sudden, halfway through chapter 2, it changes to present tense. And he's saying, but you, O Lord, are my God, and I will. I will do this. I will do And I, for the longest time, that confused me. I couldn't figure out why he was praying in past tense. And then I realized that it's a prayer. And this is simple, but it took me a while to realize this. It's a prayer within a prayer. He is praying to the Lord. And recounting, as he's praying to the Lord, he is recounting the prayer that he prayed as he was sinking to the bottom of the oceans. So he's, he's in the belly of this fish, and he is praying to God, Lord, I cried out to you as I sank, and you heard me. And as he's sinking, we see in chapter 2, he gives a pretty vivid description of what he is seeing as he sinks. He describes things like seeing that the foot, the feet of the mountains to the depths of the oceans. He describes light leaving. He's drifting into the darkness. And as the waves were crashing over him and engulfing him, and the currents were engulfing him, he describes these things as he's sinking down. And he eventually describes how he hit the bottom of the sea, and seaweed began to tangle his feet and wrap around his head. And it was there that he cried out to the Lord. It was there at the bottom of the sea wrapped up in seaweed that he cried out to the Lord and said, God, save me. He even goes on in chapter 2 to describe that. He said, he uses a term called Sheol. From Sheol, I prayed and cried out, Lord, save me. That word means, it's translated from the Hebrew, which in his language, that word means death or the place of the dead, the grave or the place of the dead. So you can imagine him being here at the bottom of the sea And he basically is coming to terms with, this is it for me. I am at the place of the dead. My life is done for. Lord, please save me. And he cries out. What's important to see there is this. The Lord let Jonah hit rock bottom. 
he let him go down as far as he could go. And he let the situation become as bleak as it could possibly be. Seaweed is wrapped around him, entangled him, wrapped around his head. He cannot swim upwards. He is at the bottom of the sea and it is dark. And he cries out there, God has let him go to the rock bottom. You can't get any worse at that moment. And there he cries out, Lord, save me. One thing we need to know is this. God always answers the prayer of his people. Sometimes it's hard to believe that, but I believe that to be true. We see that in scriptures. that He, he gives us that promise, I will answer my, your prayers. But God always answers the prayer of his people. But get this. This is important to understand. He always answers the prayer of his people. Only often it looks, his answers look nothing like what we envision when we pray. Enter the well. Jonah is praying for salvation. He is praying for a miracle. God, save me. Put me back up on the land where I can breathe. God answers that prayer. But it in no way looked like what Jonah was, thought it was going to look like when he was asking Here comes a huge fish staring him in the face. And when you're praying from the depths tangled in seaweed and you're praying to be saved and a fish comes for you to swallow you, you do not believe that this is salvation. And sometimes that's what happens in our life. Oftentimes that happens. The the fish is the miracle. It does not look like that, but it is the miracle. I can recount myself just a little over a year ago, about a year and two months ago. I was in a Jonah situation, rock bottom, crying out, literally crying out to God. I had just been told that I had cancer and that I was going to have to go through three rounds of chemotherapy. And this was going to be like a 12-week process of going every day to receive these drugs for four hours a day. And I did not want to do that. I, I didn't want to go through that. And I remember... Last night, I was sitting in my house on the upstairs in my, in my little studio room on the same couch that I sat on when I prayed this prayer. I remember crying out to God, begging him, will you take this from me, Lord? I don't want to go through chemotherapy. Could you just miraculously heal me? Could you just heal me so I don't have to go through this? And for me, God sent a well called chemotherapy. But get this, and I think looking at Jonah's picture in the big picture after all is said and done, he probably would say the same thing. For me, my well was chemotherapy. I don't regret one second of it. In the moment, in the chair, in the days where I knew I was going to have to do it, And I didn't realize that this was my well, that this was my salvation, this was my rescue, this was going to be my healing. I had no idea. And so I didn't, I wasn't happy. I'm sure while Jonah is in the well, he's like, this is not what I was praying for. But for me, now, a year later, cancer-free, I'm looking back. I I don't regret one moment of sitting in the chair receiving chemotherapy. I don't regret the pain that I went through. I don't regret the suffering. I don't regret the time. I surely don't regret the overwhelming love God poured out for me while I was in my will. 
And I think Jonah experienced that same thing. And for us all, we're going to experience those things. Sometimes you, and you may find yourself in it right now, a situation, a storm in this life, a tragedy, where you, and maybe you've been in it for a long time, where you have been praying, God, take this from me. Save me. Save me. God answers prayer. Just often it rarely looks like what we expect it to. You may be sitting in the fish right now, and he is providing that answer, but we just don't know it. The fish was not a pleasant place to be. It's easy for us to look at that. I mean, you know, scientifically, that was a crazy thing. I mean, he was in the belly of a whale where stomach acids, right? Like, it's something like, I mean, some of you guys are probably medical students could tell this better than me, but I think it's something like seven hours or something like that. The body processes food and and is done through your system. He spent three days in that thing. And that was not a pleasant place to be among stomach acids. And, you know, he should have been like through the, through the colon and on out and back and out into the water, right? But somehow through the miraculous will of God, that was not the case. We find ourselves in the whale sometimes, and it may not be a pleasant place to be, but rest assured, if you have been praying for a miracle, if you have been praying for God to save you, salvation is in the hands of the Lord, and it is for us. But sometimes... It doesn't come exactly the way that we think it's going to come. Sometimes it involves a well. And sometimes it involves way more than three days in that well. But rest assured, he is doing a work in your life if you have turned to him. And that's why Jesus refers to this. He does miraculous work in us. In, uh, in Matthew, we look at Matthew Chapter 12, Jesus referred to Jonah's story as a sign. He says, for just as, jo- for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of earth. This is him pointing to the miraculous work of God. Not just for Jonah, not just for Jesus, but for all of us. But if we look into chapter 2 of Jonah, really in-depth at his prayer. We see a man who is now in the belly of a fish, who has prayed for salvation, who has prayed to be saved, but is now in the belly of a fish, and it is there that he makes amends with the Lord. Because in that prayer, he starts off recounting, God, you actually did save me. You sent a fish. I think it took him a while to understand it, but he prays. He said, you know, I cried out as I was sinking to rock bottom. I cried out. From the land of the dead, I cried out, and you saved me. You sent a fish, you saved me. And now in this fish, he is praying. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. And he says this, but... With a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I, what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. It is in that point that Jonah does something that we all have to see. When we find ourselves in storms, whether that be cancer, whether that be sickness, whether that be an illness, and whether that may be 
tragedy of a relationship being broken, whether that be uh, someone passing away or loss of a job, no matter what it may be. You have to understand these two things. One, tragedy and storms are not the wrath of God. They are a product of sin. That may not be your sin. That may just be the circumstances of the brokenness of this world and the depravity of the world in which we live in. And it's a part of us. Sin is a part of our humanity. And it destroys and it destructs. And it is going to bring pain into our lives. It will. We are never promised anything other than that. We will encounter these things. You may be a person who has struggled with illness for years and wonder why God has not taken it from you. Maybe you're in the fish right now. You may be a mom, a single mom whose husband walked out, and that's not your fault. But the storm is raging now. How do I do this? When we turn to God, he answers our prayer, but we may spend some time in the belly of a fish. You may have just lost your job, and life is spinning out of control. When we turn to God, he answers prayer. It may not look like what you expect, but he will answer prayer. I'll give you this. If God foresees molecular development or cellular development that's going to wind up being cancer, he can stop it or not, depending on what his plan is for us. If he foresees a job, a a company that's downsizing, and inevitably that's going to lead to your being let go, loss of a job, stop that or not. If he sees a heart that is growing weak and drawing its last beat, he could stop it or not. It's all depending on what his perfect plan is for us, and that's hard for us to understand. Sometimes going through things like cancer are really hard for us to understand. But he can provide a fish, and it might not be pleasant, but it is salvation. And when we're in the fish, and when we're in the midst of a storm, there is only one thing that we can do. And that's just what Jonah does. He prays, I turn my eyes back to you. I turn my eyes back to you. This is the essence of repentance, turning back to God. And... um, Sometimes we may be going through life and thinking, I don't need to repent. I mean, I'm really, I love God. And often, even myself, I've lived with this misconception that repentance is something that you do once. Repentance is something that we do every day. It's a daily consciousness of turning our head, turning our face, turning our eyes, turning our heart to the Lord and surrendering to him. That's not a one-time thing. That's a daily thing. That's a minute-by-minute play of repentance, turning our attention, and turning our hearts over to the Lord. That's what we see Jonah do. He returns to the Lord in the belly of this fish. And get this, repentance gives way. Repentance leads to resurrection. Repentance is the key to resurrection. He cries out at the end of chapter 2. I return my eyes back to you. And I will say that you are my Lord and salvation comes from the Lord. Immediately at that moment, we see this. Verse 10. 
And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto a dry land. Resurrection begins with repentance. Where sin brings us down, where sin produces storms in our lives that bring us down, repentance produces resurrection that brings us back up. This is the story of our God and his work in our lives. This is the constant battle that we will live because of depravity and because of this world. It's broken. Sin will bring us down. Repentance leads to resurrection, being brought back up. So in any storm, in any battle that we have in this life, no matter what you're going through or what you will face, you can rest in this. The love of God is stronger. His love for you is stronger than the circumstances in this world. It is stronger than any storm or any tragedy that you will encounter. His love for you is greater and it is stronger. And all we have to do is rest in that love. Repent by turning our heart, our, our affections, and our focus back to the Lord. And in that, we receive resurrection. All too often, myself, for years, belittled re- resurrection by only viewing it in light of Easter. It was a thing that, that we celebrated, that Jesus had overcome the grave. He had beaten, beaten death and been resurrected. And I left it there. Easter was resurrection. But we see in Jonah's story, and this is the sign of Jonah, resurrection. The sign of Jonah is resurrection, that it's for you and me, that it doesn't just stop on Easter Sunday at a grave where Jesus has been resurrected. The Apostle Paul wrote that we share in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Resurrection is for you and for me. So that no matter what storm we are encountering, no matter what tragedy you face, we can overcome the things of this world. We can be resurrected. And it involves repentance. We turn our hearts to him and immediately he can lift us out of the storms that we are in. Resurrection is the key. And repentance leads to resurrection. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we... Look at the sign of Jonah, your resurrection, the miracle of resurrection. And we take heart and we take hope in the fact that we share in that. So no matter what we encounter, we can endure it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we are going to escape the storms that that this broken world throw at us but we know that we can overcome them because of the power of your resurrection, because of the victory in your resurrection. Lord, help us to take heart and grasp that so that when we find ourselves hurting, when we find ourselves in the moment of tragedy, when we find ourselves at the bottom of a sea with seaweed around our neck, help us to take hope And to know that you are good and your resurrection is for us. Help us to take hope in the fact that you answer prayers. 
Give us light and give us wisdom to know that sometimes they don't look the way that we envisioned them when we prayed. Help us to find satisfaction in you when we find ourselves in the belly of a whale. And Lord, help us to walk in the power and the victory of your resurrection so that no matter what we encounter in this world, we can be confident that we can overcome. We love you. We love you in your name. Amen.